partner HAP, that's Huntsville Assistance Program. Together, we exceeded our goal of 125 and collected 178 food items. So congratulations. Very well done. So after the service, the youth are going to gather in the parking lot, after SCC, I should say, uh, to deliver the food to HAP. Uh, Director Wendy Kirk is going to meet us there at HAP to give a tour of their facility. Parents and siblings are welcome. And the address of HAP is 1001 Monroe Street, uh, near the downtown library. And you can see Waikita if you have other questions. Um, November 9th is going to have corporate prayer at 7 p.m. That's this coming Wednesday. November 13th, that's a week from today. We're going to celebrate the Village Church's 11th anniversary. Uh, Reverend Adam Tisdale will be preaching, and Tamara Bodie will be our special guest worship leader. She was, for those of you who don't know, for a long time she was our worship leader here at the Village Church. There will be no SEC, but a reception will follow the service. There is a women's ministry event, November 15th. There will be fellowship and Bible study uh, in at the church house uh, at 530. That's on November 15th. That is our uh, announcements. Uh, please stand for the call to worship. I will say the leader part, and you can say the people part. Save us, O God, of our salvation, and gather and deliver us from among the nations, that we may give thanks to your holy name and glory in your praise. Blessed be the Lord, the God of Israel, from everlasting to everlasting. Good morning, Village Church. This is a song that we all know, so y'all join in and sing, okay? Lord, you are good and your mercy endures forever. Lord, you are good and your mercy endures forever. Let's sing that again. Lord, you are good. You are good and your mercy endureth forever. Lord, you are good and your mercy endureth forever. People from every nation. People from every nation and tribe. From generation to generation.
staff here at the church. Uh, Marcus has the flu. My family is just getting over the flu. And so y'all be in prayer for us all, you know. Uh, and I think Marcus will be back with y'all soon. So uh, we have a prayer of praise. So let's go before our Father in heaven and give him praise for all of his good, mighty, excellent works. Father in heaven, we thank you. First of all, God, we thank you that you are a God who is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. You keep steadfast love for thousands. You forgive iniquity and transgression and sin. But you are a God who will by no means clear the guilty. God, since that is your character, since that is who you are, we have no choice but to put all of our hope, our trust, our faith in you. God, we just want to praise you. We all just took another breath. We, we have your breath in our lungs. And so, God, it is only right that we pour out our praise to you. God, you keep us. You sustain us. You provide for all of our needs because that's just who you are. God, I'm reminded of how they used to say it in the old church. that God, if you didn't do 
another thing you've already done enough. That makes you worthy of praise because you are the creator and sustainer of everything that we see. And Lord, we thank you that you are the God who sits up high and you look down low. That means that you know what's going on in our lives. You are the creator of the universe and you care about us. You love us. You pour out your love and lavish your love upon us, your beloved children. And so you are worthy of praise for that. Lord, you're worthy of praise because you have gathered us all together here to give your name the praise. And so we want to do that today. We want to exalt you and we want to exult in you, Lord, because you're worthy. You have been so good to us, so gracious to us. You saved us. You have given us a reasonable portion of our health, and you are the only one that could do that. So God, we thank you. We give you praise and glory and honor. It is in the matchless name of Jesus we pray and give thanks. Amen. There we go. Good morning, everyone. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Amen. He woke us up early this morning in our right mind. Because this is the time where we actually reflect on the things that we could have done better for our master and for our king. And it's also another opportunity for us to reflect on how good he really is to us when we don't do all that we should do. So we're going to have the confession of sin. And it comes from 1 John 5, 5.12. Um, B. Whoever does not have the Son of God does not have life. And at this point in time, we want to reflect on that in silent meditation. And because God is so merciful and so good, he always gives us a way of escape. When we don't do all that we should, he still loves us, and he gives us, he's rich in grace, and he's rich in mercy. So our pardon, our assurance of pardon is 1 John 5, chapter 5, verse 4. For everyone who has been born of God overcomes the world, and this is the victory that has to overcome the world, our faith. Amen? Amen. Now we have our scripture reading, which will come from uh, Hosea, chapter 4, verses 10 through 14. Can we please stand for the reading of God's word? They will eat but not be satisfied. They will be promiscuous but not multiply. For they have abandoned their devotion to the Lord. Promiscuity, wine and new wine and new wine takes away one's understanding. My people cons- consult their wooden idols and their, and their divining rods inform them, for a spirit of promiscuity leads them astray, and they act promiscuously in disobedience to their God. They sacrifice on the mountaintops, and they burn offerings on the hills, and they, I'm sorry, and under oaks, poplars, and terebinth, because their, because their shade is pleasant, and so your daughters act promiscuously. 
and your daughters-in-law commit adultery. I will not punish your daughters when they act promiscuously or your daughter-in-laws when they commit adultery. For the men themselves go off with prostitutes and make sacrifice with cult prostitutes. People without discernment are doomed. May the Lord bless the reading of his word. And God, and God bless. Thanks be to God. Amen. The Lord, <laughs> Pastor Alice, got, got to preach this, sir. Amen. <laughs>
all may be seated in the presence of God, we want to invite uh, Emma up for our ministry moment today. Hello. All right, so this Wednesday we're having our corporate prayer here in the building and on Zoom. Our topic is going to be persecution of the church. And our own Dennis is going to be on the Zoom call leading it, so very exciting. I have been sending videos out that he really wants everyone to watch before we enter into the corporate prayer. So if you guys have time, like please watch those videos. And now we're going to prayer supplication. Dear Lord, thank you that we're able to meet together and worship you. I lift up our churches in other countries that don't have these freedoms that we do of being able to go to church freely and worship you freely and sing to you loudly and freely and you know though we have our struggles here with our apathy to you sometimes Lord there are people in other parts of the world who wish they could have the luxuries we have and worship you as as we do. And I pray, Lord, that you will help us support our other churches, help us to want what you want and love what you love and care for people the way that you care for people. Help us to search your word and know what it means of what you intended it to be and help us to just be humble as we approach you and approach these topics. Prepare our hearts for this sermon today that we may be able to hear your word and and grow. And in your name, amen. Oh, thank you. Oh, there we go. Well, I want to... First, thank uh, Aaliyah for blessing us with the spread this morning. So, so if you haven't, so you can have TBC brunch if you would like. And I also want to thank uh, Amanda Cook for leading us in evangelism training yesterday. Uh, she did a wonderful job. And for those of you who can't, who wasn't able to make it, we did record it. And so once Marcus was co- recovers from the flu. He will uh, get it all edited and hopefully put it on our YouTube page, and we'll send it out to the whole congregation so y'all can uh, uh, be blessed by the training that we had uh, yesterday. So if you have your Bible or a Bible out, please open it to Hosea chapter 4. Thanks, Richard. We're going to work our way uh, through the verses that uh, DeMarco read, verses 10 through 14. And this sermon uh, will complete the Failure to Love trilogy. And it has the same big idea as the previous two sermons. Sin is a failure to love, and sin is a violation of God's word. Sin is a failure to love and a violation of God's word. And that is Hosea chapter 4, verses 10 through 14. So sin is a failure to love and a violation of God's word, but do y'all believe it? And if the answer is yes, then is that belief reflective in your repentance this week? 
If you can remember, the first sermon in this chapter was over verses 1 through 3. And those three verses served as an introduction to the whole chapter. The Lord God brought charges against the whole nation of Israel without naming names. He called all of them out for living in unrepentant sins of omission and unrepentant sins of commission. The second sermon was on verses 4 through um, 11. And in those verses, the Lord did call names. He brought charges against the priesthood, the spiritual leaders of the northern kingdom. And now in the third sermon, the Lord is going to call the name of his people. He's going to show them their failure, how they have failed to love. So before we move on in the sermon, please pray with and for me. Holy Spirit, as uh, we desperately need you, not just to get through a sermon or through corporate worship, but we need you to live this life, the daily grind that we go through, the, the, the ups and downs and the mundane. We need you. And so we corporately come and ask that you will be, our, be the counselor that you are for us today that you would minister to our minds, minister to our hearts, minister to our emotions, minister to, to us holistically. You know what we're dealing with, the fear, the insecurity, the doubts, the areas of our life that, that, that need resurrection. And so I pray that you would take these words that are based upon the Holy Scriptures and apply them to us. That we cannot apply the word to our own life and our own power and our own strength. We just cannot do it apart from you. So Holy Spirit, we, we ask of you that you would do this for our good and for the glory of our Trinitarian God. It's in his name that I pray. Amen. <clears throat> in 1980, a a, mu a country music singer named Johnny Lee released a song that goes like this. Well, I spent a lifetime looking for you. Single bars and good time lovers never were never true. Playing a fool's game, hoping to win. Telling those sweet lies and losing again. I was looking for love in all the wrong places. Looking for love in too many faces, searching their eyes, looking for traces of what I've been dreaming of, hoping to find a friend and a lover. I bless the day that I discover another heart looking for love. Israel is a people looking for love in all the wrong places. And us being like them, we often look for love in all the wrong places. Amen? Or am I the only one? When you look for love in all the wrong places, our search becomes a failure to love. But do y'all believe that? Looking for love in all the wrong places is a failure to love God, it's a failure to love others, and it's a failure to love yourself. So what are the wrong places y'all go searching for love? And what are the wrong places that the people of Israel go looking for love? The, the answer to that question, if you think about an iceberg, no, it's below, above, above the surface of what you see. But it's below the surface of the iceberg 
That's where the answers are. Below the surface of the iceberg, those are the wrong places that Israel go looking for love. And those are the wrong places that we go looking for love. And I call these wrong places falsehoods. Falsehoods. These falsehoods are untrue. They're incorrect. And they pull us away from God. So Israel is looking for love in three falsehoods. And each of these is a failure to love God, a failure to love self, and a failure to love other people. Thick paper, okay. What do you experience when you eat your favorite food? Yeah. When you listen to your favorite song. When you tasting your favorite dessert. When you, what do you feel when you accomplish a goal that you've been working so hard to accomplish? When you make that good grade on that test? Yes. When you're hanging with friends, when you visit a beautiful place or the mountains, when you see the the nice fall leaves and the leaves changing colors, what do you feel? What do you experience? It's pleasure. Pleasure. That's what we feel and that's what we experience when we see something beautiful. Pleasure is a common human experience and emotion. And pleasure refers to experiences that feel good. That involves the enjoyment of something. But pleasure turns false when it moves from simple enjoyment and turns into self-indulgence. A lack of self-restraint and self-gratification. False pleasure is is the first wrong place that the people of Israel go looking for love. And what about us this morning? What about us collectively and what about us individually? The people of Israel are seeking false pleasure in three things. First, they seek false pleasure in food. Look at verse 10a. It says they shall eat and not be satisfied. Second, they seek false pleasure in sex. Look at verse 10b. They shall play the harlot but not multiply. And third, they seek false pleasure in alcohol. Look at verse 11. Wine and new wine takes away the understanding. Please understand that sex, food, and alcohol, they aren't bad things. Food is good, right? Human beings need food for nourishment and survival. That is a good thing. And if you don't know this, sex is good too. Human beings were meant to enjoy in the context of marriage, not outside of it. And alcohol in and of itself isn't evil. It can be enjoyed with moderation. You see, the problem is Israel's pursuit of pleasure and uh, false pleasure in food, sex, and drink. They self-indulge in them. They lack restraint in them. It's all about self-gratification. What about us? A good thing becomes bad when we self-indulge in it. Without restraint. So how do we seek false pleasure in food and in sex and alcohol? Comfort eating and gluttony are false pleasures. Sex outside of marriage, casual sex, hookups, sexting, all those things are false pleasures. Drugs and alcohol abuse are false pleasures. When we're looking for food and sex and alcohol to be the center of our happiness and satisfaction, we're on a collision course for a whole bunch of disappointments. Do I need to hold up the signs? So the people of Israel are looking for these three things 
to be the center of their happiness, the center of their satisfaction. But in the end of the day, they are left holding a bag filled with disappointment, hurt, and brokenness. The food and sex aren't satisfying their deepest needs. The wine and the alcohol isn't taking away all their problems. It ends up controlling them. TBC Saints, the pursuit of false pleasure is a failure to love self. It's a failure to love self, but do you believe it? What does overeating do to the body? What does casual, this casual sex, what, what would it could do to your body? What, is, what can alcohol abuse eventually do to your body? It can damage your body and mind, all three of them, with self-indulgence. You do self-harm. You're, you're, when you indulge in those things, eventually you're going to be feeling left empty on the inside. No fulfillment, no happiness, no peace, no joy. When you abuse your body with food, sex, and alcohol, that is you failing to love yourself well. And if you can't love yourself well, then you ain't going to be able to love other people well either. If you're abusing yourself, what you think you're going to do in relationships with other people? You're going to abuse them too. So why is this? It's because food, sex, and alcohol can become addictions when we abuse them, when we engage them without restraint, when we use them to make us happy. What are you using to make you happy? I know we good Southern Christian church folk. What do you really go to to make you happy? What do you think you really need? <laughs> Brunch, right? <laughs> to really make you happy. I love this congregation participation. Good. I love it. The New York Times, uh, a New York, one New York Times bestselling author says, pleasure is a false god. Research shows that people who focus their energy on materialistic and superficial um, pleasure end up more anxious, more emotionally unstable, and less happy in the long run. Pleasure is the most superficial form of life satisfaction and therefore the easiest. Pleasure is what's marketed to us. It's what we fixate on. It's what we use to numb and distract ourselves. But pleasure, while necessary, is, is insufficient. There's something more. And for the people of Israel, that something more is Yahweh Elohim, the covenant-keeping God. See, their, their pursuit of false pleasure isn't just a failure to love themselves. It's really also a failure of them to love their own God. Look at verses 10 and 11. They shall eat but not be satisfied. They shall play the harlot but not multiply because they have forsaken the Lord to cherish whoredom, wine and new wine, which take away understanding. Israel's pursuit of these three things, they're doing it apart from God. They're basically living like practical atheists. Do you live like a practical atheist in the mundane of your life, as if God is not in your life, as if God is not real? They want food, sex, and drink to give to them what only God can give to them. 
Psalm 1611 says, you make known to me the paths of life. In your presence, there's fullness of joy. And at your right hand are pleasures forevermore. Who who is the psalmist talking about? Is he talking about food? Is he talking about alcohol? Is he talking about sex? He's talking about Yahweh. The joy and the life and the pleasure Israel longs for is found in a covenant relationship with the Lord God, but they have rejected that relationship. For a toxic relationship with food, sex, and alcohol. And the same is true for us today in 2022. Life, the joy, and the pleasure what we long for is found in someone else. And that someone for us is Jesus Christ. Jesus is a someone that is more. But do you believe it? Kids and youth, do y'all believe it? Please understand that false pleasure, they make poor gods and poor saviors. Poor gods and poor saviors. Because what happens, eventually, the one thing, the false pleasure you are enjoying today might not blame you pleasure tomorrow. Then you got to go to another one. You keep going and going and going, and you end up more empty, more empty, more empty, more empty, more empty on the inside. Because you're trying to get from a thing what only Jesus can give you. Those things, food, sets, and drink were not created to be your idol. They were not created to be your savior. But Jesus is the only one, please hear this. He is the only one who can give you true hope, true peace, true joy, true love, and true satisfaction. And if you try to find those things outside of him, you are going to live a very disappointing life. You might say, well, I don't believe that, Pastor Alex. One day you will. (laughs) One day you will. One day you will. One day you will. So do you know him as Lord and Savior? I'm not talking about knowing things about him. I'm not talking about the Sunday school answers. I'm talking about do you know him personally? And do you live for him? Do you believe that he sacrificed himself on a tree for all your sins? Romans 5, 8 says, For God Shows his love for us. And while we were sinners, Jesus died for us. That's love. Will you surrender your whole life to Jesus in saving faith? Jesus is a solid rock. Your false pleasures are all sinking sand. And for all the youth, I need y'all to understand that. You either going to stand on Jesus or you're going to build your life on quicksand. You know, that's, that's what you're going to do. You're either going to build it on Jesus or you're going to build it on quicksand. You, you say, well, I don't know about that, Pastor Alex, but you don't believe that because you're living with your parents and they provide everything for you. But when you get out on your own and live in your own life, when they ain't there to bail you out, then you're going to know. Everything my mom and dad and grandparents told me was true. This is sinking sand. But right now you don't believe it. But eventually you will. You will.
See, y'all done lost my place dealing with y'all. So if you already have saving faith in Jesus, then he's calling you to repent of pursuing your false pleasures. But just because you're a Christian doesn't mean you don't struggle with trying to find happiness and joy outside of Jesus. You still do. But do you know how you do it? He's calling you to repent. Now, I'm a comfort eater. That's where I go to the numb. That's why I can't have chips in the house. Because that's what I go to. That's, that's what I go to. Gluttony. Overeating. Because I use it to numb. So how do you, what do you, how do you use food, sex, alcohol? How are they idols in your life? He also could be calling some of you to go seek professional help. Because when these things become addictions, you cannot get out of it by yourself. And the lie that the devil tells you is, you're okay. You're fine. You don't need help. You got this. It's not that bad. Stop trusting yourself. Call me, one of the elders, and we connect you with a counselor. Finally, seeking help for your addictions is a low-hanging fruit of loving yourself well. That's low-hanging fruit of loving yourself well is saying, I need help with my addiction because I can't get out of it by myself. Again, but do you believe it? Do you believe it? Human beings, we aren't just physical creatures. We're also spiritual, which means all people have some form of spirituality. Why? Because we're all searching for meaning and connection in life. Do you search for meaning and connection? Yeah. In an article in the Journal of Religion and Health, they define spirituality like this. Spirituality is one striving for an experience of connection with oneself, connectedness with others and nature, and connectedness with the transcendent. But spirituality turns false when it moves from connectedness to idolatry. Idolatry is the major problem in the nation of Israel. In fact, they're actually enslaved to a spirit of idolatry. It leads them astray. It leads them away from the Lord God. Look at verse 12b. For a spirit of whoredom has led them astray, and they have left their God to play the harlot. They play the harlot by love, looking for love again in all the wrong places. And this wrong place is false spirituality. False spirituality. And what about us? Do we engage in false spirituality? Are we looking for love in false spirituality? For Israel, they look their false spirituality, they practice it in two ways. First, they engage in false prayer. They engage in false prayer. See, true prayer is to be lifted up to Yahweh Elohim in a spirit of humility. True prayer is communion with God. It is an expression of trust and surrender and dependency. But prayer turns false when we use it like an ATM machine in order to get from God everything we want. It turns false when we offer it up to idols and false gods. And this is what the people of Israel are doing. Their, their prayer is false because they're praying to a pagan god named Baal. Look at verse 12a. The Lord says, my people, my covenant people, I love that. that that's just personal. My beloved people inquire of a piece of wood, and their walking staff gives them oracles. 
The NIV Bible says, my people consult a wooden idol, and a divider's rod speaks to them. God's people have taken a part of his creation and fashioned that creation into, the, into a wooden image of Baal. And then they pray to this wooden image. They inquire of it. They go and consult this wooden image, uh, image for guidance. They're speaking to it as if it's real, as if it has a life. And they falsely believe that this wooden image speaks back to them. This is false prayer, false spirituality. It's a failure to love the Lord God. And it's a failure to take care of creation. Well, what do you mean, Pastor Alex? Taking part of God's creation in order to fashion it into an idol is an abuse of this creation. A tree was not meant for you to worship it. A tree was not meant for you to fashion into some wooden idol. That is an abuse of God's creation. It's not meant to be your savior, but do you believe it? One Christian author says, human beings by their nature are worshipers. Worship is not something we do. It defines who we are. You cannot divide human beings into those who worship and those who don't. Everybody worships. It's just a matter of what or whom we serve. I love that last sentence. Everybody worships. It's just a matter of what or whom we serve. The people of Israel during this time, they're serving the false god Baal, which means all their prayers and all their worship is false. The Israelites engage in false worship because their prayers, their adoration, their thanksgiving, and all their honor are being given to this false deity. That's what's happening. They're looking for love, again, in all the wrong places. They're looking for love in a wrong God. And look at what the Lord says about them. They sacrifice on the top of mountains, and they burn offerings on hills. That's worship. They are blindly Enjoying false worship without any sense of conviction or sorrow. How have we left Jesus this week? How have we engaged in false prayer, false worship? If we're honest with ourselves, then we'll confess that we have left him a lot this week. But now, none of us are going to go chop down a tree and fashion into an idol to worship and pray to. That's not our style. We're too civilized for that as Americans. That's not how our idolatry looks. Our idolatry looks like placing our security and power, prosperity, and privilege, the unholy trinity of the American dream. It looks like us trying to find our identity in what other people think about us. It looks like addiction to technology and social media and entertainment. It looks like placing all of our hope in the Republican Party or the Democratic Party. It looks like us stepping into that voters booth on Tuesday to vote. It looks like us worshiping our identity, I mean our ethnicity and our culture, our sexuality and our gender. It looks like living as if we cannot live without creature comforts, materialism, and consumerism. That's what our idolatry looks like. It could be more, but that's all I could think of. <laughs> and so if you are a Christian... What are you to do with your idols? You can't say, Pastor Alex, I ain't got no idols. No, 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 no. That's not true. 
You have to first acknowledge that you have them. Then you confess them, and then you repent of them. That's what, that's what you do. And that's what, again, that's why God sends Hosea to Israel. Again, 30 years in advance, he goes to prophesy to them before they go into exile. 30 years. When you repent of them, you can say to Jesus the words of a well-known Christian song that says, prone to wonder, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. Here is my heart, Lord, take and seal it. Seal it for thy courts above. Here is my heart, Jesus, take and seal it. Seal it for your courts above. That's what you do with your idols. That's what you do with your wandering. You acknowledge it. You repent of it. And the Holy Spirit will bring you back. Again, I know these Hosea sermons are hard to hear. Because of all the language and everything that's taking place in God's judgment. But there's a lot of grace in Hosea if you see it a certain way. If you read it a certain way. It's there. The final place that Israel go looking for love is what I call false intimacy. One Christian author writes, false intimacy is based on an illusion. Woven by the father of lies himself, this illusion boldly states that certain actions and thoughts explicitly forbidden by God hold great power to give us satisfaction, fulfillment, control, and the relief from emotional pain. And for Israel, that false intimacy is sexual lust. Both men and women are engaging in sexual acts that are forbidden by the Lord God. And these acts are not just hurting themselves, it's hurting their marriages, it's hurting their families. Look at verses 3, 13 and 14. The Lord says, Therefore, your daughters play the harlot and your brides commit adultery. I will not punish your daughters when they play the harlot, nor your daughters, brides when they commit adultery. For the men themselves go aside with prostitutes and sacrifice with cold prostitutes. A people without understanding comes to ruin Notice what the Lord says here. Did you notice that? He ain't going to show no favoritism to the men. He's not going to say, husbands and fathers, don't you come complaining to me about what your wives and daughters are doing. You're doing the same thing. So get out of my face and take several seats. So he's saying he's going he's to punish all of them for what they're doing. They all are broken. They all are living in sexual lust. They all are failing to love their neighbor as themselves. And so... For us, that our false intimacy may not be the same as theirs, but what does it look like in your life? It could be sexual lust. It could even be pornography. It could look like a toxic relationship. It can look like unhealthy relationship with people you have on social media. It can look like an unhealthy emotional connection that you have with another person. You see, false, false intimacy is really a cry for human connection. Please realize that. That cry is a good cry. Everyone wants to be connected to other people. But sometimes we, we go to things that are not good for us. We enter relationships that are not good for us to get that intimacy. Listen, you can do bad all by yourself. You don't need nobody else making things worse. 
All of us crave for true intimacy. I don't care what type of personality you got. Our engineer. We all want intimacy because we're human beings and we're created in the image of God. So even those of you who are sitting and say, I don't need that, you do. You do. Because intimacy is all about feeling seen, being known, and being accepted. Do you want to feel seen, known, and accepted? Do you want real intimacy? Then don't settle for false intimacy. Don't settle for less than what you deserve. Know your own worth. And real intimacy, it can be found in healthy relationships. But perfect intimacy is only found in a saving relationship with Jesus. Because the best of human relationships are going to disappoint you. The best friend is going to eventually let you down. The best parent is going to hurt you. The best sibling is going to sin against you. Because human beings are not meant to be the center of your intimacy. They're not meant to be the center of your significance and your security. That is idolatry. That is idolatry. God, teens, if you're thinking one day you're going to get married and that's going to be the center of all, no, it's not. And if you think you're less than because you're not married, that's not true either. None of that stuff is true. And so you go to Jesus for your perfect intimacy, that perfect connection. And so the question is, again, do you know him? And if you do know him, are you growing in your relationship with him? Because like all relationships, you either growing or you're growing apart. Because relationships are not static. You're either growing closer or you're growing apart. And so if, you're in a, if you have faith in Jesus, then you are in a relationship with him. Just like you're in a relationship with other people. That means you can spend time with him. That means you can commune with him. That means you can talk with him. That's what prayer is. You can worship him. That's why we gather here. And this, we have this. This is how you spend time with him. This, this is more than just you having a quiet time and preparing for a Bible study. This is you fellowshipping and communing with the God who died for all your sins. Once, you, once your view of, of, of quiet times turn into communion, it changes the way you approach the Bible. You go there for fellowship. You go there to spend time. Because at the end of the day, our hearts are going to go to what, what it loves. Because you don't have to die and go to heaven to love Jesus. You can love Jesus now. Do you love him? And if you love him, does it show when you spend the time with him? This is not about legalism. This is not about you trying to earn your salvation. This is about you drawing closer to the heart of your Lord and Savior. That you can love him back. And that's all possible because of what he did for you on the cross. Do you want that type of closeness? Do you want that type of intimacy? Because when your relationship with him is right, guess what that impacts? Your relationship with other people. And the reverse is true. If you can't love other people, that means something between you and Jesus isn't right. Because if I love him, 
You know, I'm going to love the people he died for. One 20th century evangelist says, the Christian who is truly intimate with Jesus would never draw attention to himself, but only show the evidence of a life where Jesus is completely in control. This is the outcome of allowing Jesus to satisfy every area of life to its depth. The picture resulting for such a life that is that like, the picture resulting for such a life is that of the strong, calm balance that our Lord Jesus for those who are intimate with Him. You know what those words are saying. They're not saying an intimacy with Jesus is going to make life easier. What they're saying is that an intimate relationship with Jesus can give you peace in the in the, in the storm. It can give you calmness in the mundane of life. It can give you hope when life gets rocky because you realize that Jesus isn't just in my past. He's not just in my future, but he's all in my present. He's in front of me. He's behind me. He's to my right. He's to my left. Man, you're covered. That's what it means. And when you believe that, then you can live this life without fear. Because your trust is in the Jesus who is still Emmanuel. Let us pray. Lord Jesus, thank you that everything that you have done for us is not a failure of love, but it's a display of unconditional love and acceptance. That even now you intercede for us, the word says, that's love. That's love. And so I pray that as we, as your beloveds, go out and engage the world one more week, I pray that we will go out knowing that you are presently with us in the mundane of life. Because that's where we live, really. The everyday struggles. Help us to see your face. Help us to see your sovereign hand over us in all of our circumstances. And I pray for all of this in Christ's name. Amen. Will you please stand, saints, as we close our service?